the Federal Reserve simply does not have authority to supervise or regulate Bitcoin uh, in any way because there is no central issuer or network operator to regulate. Oh, we'd be all right if the wind was in our sails. Oh, we'd be all right if the wind was in our sails. Oh, we'd be all right if the wind was in our sails. And we'll all hang on to behind. And we'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. And we'll all Welcome to the Noted Podcast. I'm your host, Pierre Rochard, and I have my co-host here, Michael Goldstein. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, In case you haven't seen it yet, we have a new Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash noted, N-O-D-E-D. Become a supporter, and then you can uh, participate in these uh, broadcasts live. And today we have as our guest... Bitcoin sign guy. How are you, Bitcoin sign guy? Ahoy. I'm doing well. I've just moved. I feel like I should abbreviate it to like BSG. <laughs> Some the have notorious a... BSG. <laughs> Some people have actually called me that. Uh, at, the, uh, at the institution I was working when BSG became, uh, became I don't know, born to this world. <laughs> uh, yeah, someone, someone started calling me that. What, what does it feel like to be a meme incarnate? Uh, it, it feels good, actually. I had a funny academic project my senior year in college where I made a physical meme museum. Uh, this was my one of two artistic, yeah, one of two thes- thesis projects for my studio art major. Uh, I, I basically printed out memes on a large format printer, hung them in, uh, you know, golden, really ornamental frames and put them in a white art gallery with wall text and brochures and uh, tried to increase the understanding of memes as uh, formal artistic objects and also uh, methods of uh, cultural language at a more efficient level. So uh, I feel honored, (laughs) truly. It, It felt good. I, I thought that I was just going to be a meme historian, but uh, uh, to understand the memes, like you, were you making... had to become the memes. Yeah, yeah were, were were you self aware that you were making meme history on that day, or was it just were you not thinking that far ahead? Uh, afterward, I realized that it was uh, it, it was remixed immediately, as memes are. But when I had the idea for the sign, it was not. I did not have meme uh, in my mind, on my mental horizon. It was just a, a stunt to uh, perhaps embarrass the, the Federal Reserve, but mostly as just a, a keepsake, something that I would later screenshot and uh, keep as a memento uh, just, on my, just on my computer. I, thought I'd, I literally thought that I would go back to the live stream and take a screen grab of it. But I never had to do that. <laughs> now the screenshots are on millions of computers. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it it worked out uh, that I I didn't have to 
expend any effort beyond that. It, like all memes, it just uh, it it flashes before the eyes of the internet once, and then it's it's there forever. I I would I would uh, I would know that I was a meme if uh, or I would know that I'm at the end of my meme life cycle if I saw it on Know Your Meme. I actually don't know if it's on there, but that's uh that's the norm the cemetery for memes once they once they become found out by the normies. Is that a sort of like Schrodinger's cat kind of thing? Oh, like or, or, or more like the you know particle waves. particles and waves just like once you once you have observed it once you have quote unquote known the meme it ceases to uh have that well that quality well in that in that memes themselves propagate via waves uh i think that there is some analog there uh you know the the potent parasitic uh meme i think it it comes on and in stages of contagion. So uh, I don't know. It, people, I think, are, have mostly recovered from me. But Bitcoin in general, uh, you know, people are still getting infected these days. Uh, so I looked it up on Know Your Meme, and uh, you're, you're not on there yet. So I think that... Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Still on an upward trajectory. <laughs> well, the thing is now, though, that Janet Yellen's no longer Federal Reserve chairperson. Uh, I, I think that it. Why it, do you think that is? She's so humiliating. <laughs> we should be thanking Bitcoin Sun guy for his services. I, I would want to see like a reunion where the two of you get together and have a conversation. So maybe we'll have you back on the show with Janet Yellen and you can both reflect on uh, your respective roles in that meme. Yeah. She you was know, actually after that patron. So I'm sure we can make after it that summer, after that summer, I departed the DC Metro area. Uh, but, you know, if I'm ever back there, I'm sure she'll be easy to find at the Brookings institution, uh, you know, at the average monetary conference. Uh, maybe I'll go, uh, bring her flowers or something like that. <laughs> what has been your favorite uh, remix of the iconic image so far? Uh, oh, um, <laughs> uh, someone said, uh, uh, someone put on the sign, uh, the feel when no, no goth GF, <laughs> which is, you know, a very poignant point in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, my, my friends have just, uh, have used it it was uh, my birthday uh two days ago and someone sent me my meme with uh happy birthday and the b of birthday was the bitcoin dollar slot dollar sign character with the vertical line yeah. through it <laughs> so that that was nice it's nice that my friends even the even the no coiners that i'm friends with uh still appreciate it <laughs> just have to have some photoshop skills and they can yes remix it all it takes. I mean, though, I will say the uh, the shit coiners like the meme too. They uh, I've seen uh, tokenize the world uh, with uh, pomp. I've also seen not not to call him you know a shit coiner, uh, but I've also seen someone immediately did one of Vitalik, you know, by ETH, and then I, I've seen a number of other shit coins along the way. It just doesn't work as well, though, does it? 
Yeah, I, I would say that Bitcoin is a is a reef. If you think of a coral reef, it's a, organic memes grow on Bitcoin, mm -hmm. uh, and you know fake memes grow elsewhere, like Bcash. Um, did you see the the Bcash car that had the the Bcash vinyl wrap on it? Yeah, and and the woman was standing in front of it, and behind her it said something like Polly's Promotions or something, and it was so obvious that. Uh, you know, Craig Wright or Calvin Ayer, or Roger Veer just paid this person off. A person that knows nothing about cryptocurrencies just paid them off to, uh, you know, promote Bcash. But it doesn't work. They have so much cringy, cringy stuff like uh, the Bcash girls. They get tent girls and stuff like that, scantily clad. They also had a naked sushi woman that they had to eat sushi off of at one of their parties they have photo ops on yachts it's just not it's not creative and uh it just it uh it's kind of like what nasim taleb said recently how you're more likely to change your mind on something by seeing bad arguments from people on your side than you know good arguments on the other side so if I was a Bcash maximalist and I believed in Satoshi's vision, <laughs> TM, uh, I would probably be pretty turned off seeing that type of shit. Yeah, I mean they've got they've they've got both marketing problems and then their own kind of um, internal ideology is inconsistent with keeping the entire money together, right? And so now they're spinning out in different directions and. When I go on the uh, RBTC subreddit where they discuss BCH, uh, it's it, it's turned recently. It's turned into an even bigger cesspool because they're no longer allied against Bitcoin Core. They mm -hmm. have uh, you know become separatists among themselves, and now it's just spinning out of control. Yeah, I think that the most negative thing that I saw that they did was they ostracized, uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but Amory Sachet yeah. or something. Yeah, Tidonix. Uh And he was one of their lead developers. And I had, uh, I met him once and I think he spelled out what was probably the best argument for uh, Bitcoin Cash, at least as he conceptualized it, which was, you know, I want to try every method of, of scaling you know, he would he was in favor of SegWit uh, and the Lightning Network, and he also, you know, incidentally supported larger blocks. But it, it seemed at least like an honest form of support for Bitcoin Cash. But uh, you know, now that they threw him out, it seems like he was one of their better advocates. And I think that's a lot different from uh, in the Bitcoin world when we see core developers leave because uh, so far I doesn't come to mind anyone who is blatantly sort of ostracized from the community so much as people rage quitting. Yes. Yeah, I see that. People people feel slighted and then it's it just becomes an issue of pride. <laughs> uh, and then they... Then they have to go uh, make their own shitcoin. It's the life cycle of the uh, of the banished Bitcoiner. To be fair to the Bcashers, the, they're not the only ones with terrible marketing. 
the New York Fed has been uh, there. They've got a Twitter account and they've been tweeting out some of the stalest, normiest crap I've ever seen on Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag econo me. Econo you. <laughs> they should uh, they should really take all, all the Federal Reserve Regional Bank Twitter accounts. They should take a page from all of the uh, all of the corporate Twitter accounts where um, they just completely blandish people who take shots at them online. Like I don't know, Pop Tarts. Yeah, Wendy. Like you know, like delete your account. <laughs> they wrote to some person who said that a pop tart is just a ravioli. They <laughs> 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 just wrote back, delete your account. I mean, that's that's the type of uh, glibness that I think that central bankers should be using on social media. Yeah, I don't think that we want to be sold on some nice packaged version of uh, inflationary fiat money. <laughs> But they, the, prob- the problem is, if you if they did that, they'd be uh, legitimizing their enemy. So as soon as as they come out and start, you know, dabbing on Adam Back, <laughs> um, that says that Adam Back is this person that they need to dab on. Yes, yeah, no, it certainly legitimizes. Uh, it, it's a what's it's like a prisoner's dilemma of sorts, where or also just Streisand effect. Once they acknowledge the true danger of losing value of the monetary base to a cryptocurrency. You know, they've completely opened the floodgates and institutional investors, they just hang on every word of the Federal Reserve. So if they even mention that cryptocurrencies have a credible, uh, are a credible example of competition for their monetary, uh, you know, world domination, you know, that's, that's almost game over. It was fun to see the both the ECB and the BIS on Twitter tweeting, you know, throwing shade on Bitcoin and um, then getting ratioed in the comments. Yeah. I mean, Augustine Karstens, uh, he's actually, I would say, my favorite no-coiner because uh, he correctly identifies the true danger to fiat money that is Bitcoin. And... He he names it uh, in or he has named it in several talks that he's given, and uh, you know it's not it's certainly not healthy uh, for the ecosystem that he's trying to preserve. But uh, at least you know Bitcoin can take that type of head-on uh, mm-hmm. conflict, whereas heavyweight conflict, yeah. yeah. Whereas we keep on getting uh, head pats from CNBC, and uh, you know. It's they just make us look stupid having uh, guys wearing uh, you know funky goofy hats who are living in tree houses talking about hodling. Did they reach out to you? Did CNBC reach out to you to do an interview? I think way back. I I basically got an email from all an email or a couple Facebook messages actually oddly enough uh, from uh, most mainstream media uh, sources. Uh, but I, I turned, I turned them down. And so my, my first appearance was, uh, I, (laughs) I got voted the influential guy of the year, uh, with Coindesk. So I did that interview (laughs) and then, uh, and then I did Marty Bent's podcast 
Yeah, I mean, if you're going to start a, you know, a global media tour, you start it on Marty Ben's podcast, in my opinion. So uh, if any of our listeners have not listened to Bitcoin Sign Guy on Marty Ben's podcast, go subscribe to Tales from the Crypt and uh, give that a listen. Yeah, you'll you'll notice that I'm not drinking for this podcast. (laughs) Uh, cause Marty, that's Marty's style. I don't know if, uh, your listeners know that, but, uh, this is, uh, this is Bitcoin sign guy unplugged, like the, the acoustic <laughs> yeah, version. I'm, I, I can't, I can't claim, uh, to be a teetotaler like Donald Trump or Bitstein. <laughs> or, or, or now a uh, Jimmy song as well too. Oh, really? Hey, good yeah. for Jimmy, man. Uh, I would shout out to Jimmy song. I find, uh, Many aspects of his life extremely wholesome. I would like six children, like he has, uh, etc. <laughs> he's cutting out sugar. Facebook. He's just yeah. doing. He's just doing things uh, to remove all of the malware that just gets installed in your brain, just automatically from birth in. Uh, our nation. That's a good point. I mean, uh, Pierre and I have talked about this for years, just referring to it as uh, DDoS. Um, But that, that actually does not do enough justice to the, uh, quite frankly, harmful nature of a lot of these things that are trying to DDoS you. It's not merely pinging your brain. It's trying to, as you say, install, install stuff on it. So um, malware is a good, good word to use there as well. Yeah, just get a, a stripped down machine, lean, Bronze Age compliant. <laughs> what, what do you think are the the biggest malwares out there? So there's there there's carbs. Uh, there's of course there's there's the obvious stuff like watching a, a football game on television or something yeah. like that. Um, it's it's a uh, it's hard for me because there are some people in my life who are really sports mega fans and i try to give them a, a polite acknowledgement of their uh of their fandom but yeah i think that most televised sports are popcorn for the brain uh you know you could be you could be digesting durable uh good content like million dollar extreme <laughs> That's the true broccoli, or or actually steak in 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 our case. Yeah, and then I think that like uh, contrast that with people consuming all of this like Trump derangement syndrome on MSNBC about the latest conspiracy theory on yada yeah. yada Russia whatever. I I have no idea who Paul Manafort is, <laughs> but I or or. Omarosa, I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to uh, portray myself as ignorant on such a large platform as the Noted Podcast, but I simply do not know these names. Uh, this happens to me all the time, and it, it, what's <laughs> funny is that you know I have I, I know people from many many sides of the political spectrum or matrix or however you want to imagine it, and uh, people from all of these sides will come at me with some you know news event that has taken up their entire thought process and i literally have no clue what they're talking about yeah just block text on it's like (laughs) sorry it wasn't in bitcoin optech so i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
That's a, that's a good source of news. Thank you for putting me onto it. I also joined the, I'm a, I'm a total imposter and fly on the wall, but I also joined the bit devs mailing list. And so that's, uh, that's a good way to get the information on upcoming uh, developments in Bitcoin first. Uh, it's just the raw feed. Yeah, I think something that uh, you know I thought about with with Bitcoin and what really uh, separates it from like this political stuff is you get you get the best of uh, both worlds. One of which is it's things that directly affect you. So most of what happens in the political world, quite frankly, like, yes, like there's probably something that affects my taxes. And over time, there's all kinds of things that build up in society that that have an effect on me. But generally, just in my day to day life, there's not really um, an effect on me. But Bitcoin actually does have a much stronger signal of effect on me of, of changing my my behavior and my preferences and all that. And on the other hand, it's actually something that you get to work towards and it has a mass effect of its own. So you're actually being able, you know, people people get involved with uh, politics and other causes because they believe that they can have a large influence on the world. Bitcoin actually gives you that ability to have at least what seems like a large influence and I think will ultimately right. become uh, a large influence. Right. And also from you know, a completely, you know, a de, a de minimis level of, investment besides just the time it takes to learn about it i mean it's amazing that what bitcoin has created has been largely capital unintensive people spin up uh nodes on you know their home computers learn to create new bitcoin uh applications or uh you know they contribute to code all you need is a simple desktop mm-hmm. uh make a podcast all you need is a uh, you know the tools that you already have uh, it's a more accessible mode of production it's basically extremely inclusive for anyone who wants to join right and you got to say the right things if you're outside of the cult and you're just like thinking a little too originally a little too independently <laughs> then you're just not going to have any listeners but if you uh, echo in the echo chamber. Uh, everyone's going to listen to you. Yes, but yeah. There's if you you have to be willing to uh, to join in to the morbidity of Bitcoin, and you have to also assume that you know there is some. You have to be willing to uh, be associated with the the bad aspects of of Bitcoin. Uh, and that this is how we'll surpass the competing parasite of fiat currency just through our, our willingness to tolerate uh, social aspersion and, uh, you know, being associated with drug dealers and terrorists. And uh, would you consider that the bad aspects of Bitcoin or are there other things as well? Uh, well, or just that, you know, we're all lunatics, you know, it, it's joining Joining Bitcoin is one thing, but then staying in Bitcoin and being comfortable on you know a, a radical fringe of monetary theory and you know even even internet uh, development, you know the cloud people they don't really like Bitcoin too much. Um, you're you're willing by joining uh, the Bitcoin uh, 
maximalist camp, you're willing to be hated uh, in in certain cases. You become an extremely on-chain guy. Yeah, and you you build resistance. You build antibodies to uh, <laughs> to uh, I don't know the I guess uh, ridicule. And I think it's easier for us who were like libertarians before we learned about Bitcoin. And so we were already used to the ridicule and being seen as a fringe uh, extremist ideology. Yes. Uh, And so Bitcoin like came naturally to us. And it's been interesting to see people who are like, oh, you know, I'm a centrist liberal and, uh, you know, I got into Bitcoin and. I started reading about Austrian economics and it's just like really interesting stuff. I'm starting to change my mind about things. Yeah, I think these people have a rude awakening coming. Uh, I, I do think it'll be interesting because, you know, over, over time, I would expect that, you know, certain power structures that have a vested interest in uh, keeping fiat money chugging along will, you know, be putting every last, last ditch effort into trying to you know, create propaganda against Bitcoin. Um, today, it's, you know, uh, Bitcoin is destroying the environment. Uh, tomorrow, who knows what else they'll think of. And uh, one of the nice things, I do think that over time, this is like, as people get into Bitcoin, and they have to deal with each one of these things, it, it levels them up in terms of thickening their skin a bit. Um, so it's kind of training people to be like, no, that's stupid. Um, and, and not take some of these uh, concern, concern trolls uh, seriously. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how much that has to go into play. But um, I, I do think that's that's sort of one of the anti-fragile aspects of Bitcoin is, is strengthening that community in terms of being able to deal with uh, completely un- unwarranted uh, accusations like that. Yeah, the, the no-coiner screed. Uh, but by the same token, you know, all the no coiner, uh, all the no coiner propaganda, I would say it, it's also in that, that we find our, our sort of counterimmune strategy. Uh, and so this is a, this is a second level counterimmune strategy where we have now, uh, sort of ensnared this, this merry band of idiots like Emin and uh, what's her name? Francis. Uh, oh, Coppola. Coppola. Yeah. You know, we have these. David have Gerard. These, yeah. Uh, uh, Noriel Rubini. Tim Swanson. We have these dumbasses, right? And we're, we're, we've basically roundly beaten all of their points against Bitcoin. However, now in that we tolerate their uh, their continued presence, uh, we <laughs> they're thus held up as the the straw man, the no coin, the no corner straw man for all new people that are just meeting uh, or just just coming to Bitcoin. So one of the one of the most effective things you can ever uh, show someone that's new to Bitcoin is the the Bitcoin obituaries page. Uh, just to see how how stupid these people look. Um, yeah, and, and I, I would chill the uh, the Nakamoto Institute skeptics page as well. That oh yes, ha- has all of uh, people saying stuff and starting from like I think it's like 
is Neil's at like 30 cents? Something, something very, very low like that. And uh, for someone like him, you know, part of me almost feels bad for having him on there because he's, he's a, um, it's not like he's not a very public person. You know, he used to just be the, the moderator of uh, the Mises forums. And I think he was on uh, some subreddits as well. And he was generally a very nice guy, very smart guy, um, very, very well-reasoned, uh, you know, uh, argumentation stuff. But, you know, I vividly remember back in, um, I guess it was 2011 when he put the videos out about don't buy Bitcoin. And I remember listening to it. And being, it, it was part of my own sort of internalization that at the time I was like, well, it's just some, some kind of fiat money. Um, and I've talked to many Austro libertarians since who, specifically because of those videos, did not get into Bitcoin um, at the time. And so you can just imagine how much wealthier the tribe of Austro libertarians would be um, had that video not been produced. Yeah, that is that is a shame. Though I will say, on mass, the the people who are most sympathetic to our radical ideology are the ones who have been enriched by, you know, the run up in prices. Uh, you know, take for example, Defense Distributed. Uh, I think Cody said that his mm -hmm. best business decision ever was taking Bitcoin at the beginning, uh, which turned into a war chest that he used to finance his lawsuit. Uh, also shout out to them right now. If you're listening, go to deftist.org and donate to preserve the second amendment eternally on the internet. Specifically, uh, Bitcoin cash would help too. Um, Roger Vera's is offering to match, uh, one-to-one -one donations. So if you have any B, B cash, sorry, Bitcoin cash, um, Donate it, and, and you can you can double your. Yeah, this is this is the olive branch of a century. Oh, it's very it's very nice of him. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> but also Cody needs the know, money, no, so. Yeah, exactly. You know the 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 quibbles between Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin Cash are, I would say, so so far secondary to you know preserving the the right to defense. And especially in a new digital era, it's more important than ever uh, to make sure that we're keeping up. Not that, not that he would, Cody would think it's an insult to say keeping up. I mean, you know, getting ahead to where we, we need to be. Um, so yeah, there's a, uh, he's promised some, uh, some mischief this upcoming week. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, let's answer some listener questions now. Very good. Um, we, we picked out a few that probably will be interesting. Uh, the first one from at Ree Saxton. I'm not going to spell that out. It looks too hard. Um, steak with a side of question mark. Bitcoin with a side of question mark. So the question here is, what what is what is the side? What what do you have as a side with your stake? Mm. I I feel like I'm damned if I answer that question in the presence of Bitstein. <laughs> Water. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of the problems. Like uh, people. 
people feel intimidated when they go out and eat with Bitstein. They're like, oh man, I, I, I can't order, you know, the bagel and the donuts and the mm. fried calamari. But at the end of the day, you've just got to, you got to be yourself and uh, damn the consequences of Bitstein sending you the stink eye. Hey, look, more meat for me. You you eat whatever you want. But Bitstein, don't you believe in, you know, aren't you a demand sider? Don't you think that when more people demand red meat that then the... uh, The marginal cost goes down. Yeah, don't you think that? Economies of scale. (laughs) Think big picture, long term, low time frame. This is why this is why I, I use my online presence to offer the people more information about why they might be demanding it more. But as a libertarian, I understand that uh, I only have control over my own purchases ultimately, and uh, others are welcome to uh, make their own entrepreneurial decisions with their bodily capital. <laughs> their precious bodily fluids. <laughs> Just remember, you know, soy is a communist conspiracy. Or at least I'll go with that meme. <laughs> uh, I tried to, uh, you know, Mark Yuri. Uh, he was at the Nakamoto Institute dinner. I tried to, uh, I tried to, you know, the game of icing. Uh, we recently had a a dinner at an office building. Uh, we where we were both at, and we went to the kitchen, and it was chock full of soy lent. So I pulled one out and I tried to ice him with it, but he uh, he was too powerful. <laughs> he resisted. <laughs> I don't know. What is icing? Oh, uh, Smirnoff ice. You present a person with a Smirnoff ice and they're compelled by, it's a very uh, fratty thing. They're compelled to uh, take a knee on the spot and drink the whole thing. So I, I thought that by a, uh, by presenting him with this soylent, he would he would take the hit, but he resisted. <laughs> uh, did we get an answer for what you're having your steak with? No, he's been avoiding the, the question. Uh, steak with a with a beautiful woman. Okay, how about that? Right. So it's like a, a spirit dinner. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, I my girlfriend and I we've grilled together, so. Uh, that's that's who I would want to. That's what I would want to have with my steak. What and who? All right, and Bitcoin with a side of. I also uh, got my girlfriend to buy Bitcoin, so my wow. answer, my my answer would have to be the same. I mean, ultimately, you're purchasing these bitcoins to lower your time preference, such that you can uh, you know build a multi generational homestead. Uh, and uh, you know, return to a more uh, cyber feudal uh, way of living. Hey, save your uh, dirty talk for the bedroom. <laughs> uh, and so, no altcoins, no, nothing on the side. Uh, uh, alternative investments, private placements, lightning uh, ICO tokens. Those are hot right now. Uh. No, I, d- I don't own the Lightning ICO token. <laughs> All right, then we'll, we'll go to the next question. This question is from Michael. Uh, what is your favorite method of cold storage, Michael? Uh, nice try, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Not touching that one. 
All right. I'm assuming that's like a a paper wallet inside of your prison wallet. Next inside, question. Inside his sock drawer. <laughs> it's it's all about the sock drawer. The uh, dirty socks. All right. What does a future government look like that cannot force taxation? Uh, you know, after Bitcoin has replaced all of these government fiat currencies. Well, uh, I should get my Robert Nozick out and try to brush up on my minarchism. But I feel like, I don't know, I, I'm, uh, I'm caught between extreme optimism of just full bore anarcho-capitalist uh, future that doesn't even involve taxation or, you know, something far more pessimistic where somehow uh, we're actually creating these uh, systems of digital currency that end up owning us. And it's a huge cell phone. And then uh, we have the Southern Poverty Law Center putting out a, uh, a list of hate UTXOs and your, your domination is cybernetically guaranteed. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I just, I would say I just want to maintain some, some humility. I, I would, though I would certainly prefer that there's no taxation whatsoever and that all of the, uh, that there are second order effects of the entire administrative state collapsing, state education collapsing, no more public school, etc. What about you, Bitstein? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you covered, uh, you know the the whole spectrum there, um, and I, I've had I've had similar thoughts on on each side of those things. Um, I do think that you know my my side for more optimism is just the fact that um, when it comes down to it, whether the people pushing for their uh, earmarked money and uh, all that. Whether they get it or not, like the the fact that you have this giant spigot, the Federal Reserve, um, really subsidizes a lot of all of this cruft um, that we have in society. Um, yeah, so the, the Cantillon effect. The what? The Cantillon effect. Right. Yeah. So for, for for listeners who are unaware of what the Cantillon effect is, it's the economic principle that money is non-neutral. That is, if you increase the money supply it's not the case that you have helicopter ben going around and dropping a dollar on on each individual person the money is is produced in a localized place and it goes first to the people who are friends uh with the money producers so in this case when the federal reserve um you know changes uh monetary policy the friends of the Federal Reserve or whoever, whatever industry they want to target gets first access to this money. And what that means is they get to use that those new units of money before the whole economy has been able to catch up and price it in. And so by the time it gets to us who do not have friends, uh, we have to deal with inflated prices um, while those who were friends with them do not have to deal with inflated prices. And this is why uh, you know, people like Ron Paul had championed the idea that uh, um, inflation is effectively a sort of tax and a, a wealth redistribution uh, scheme. 
So when you turn off that spigot, I mean, how how much of the you know student loan bubble, for instance, has has come out of the the fact of of easy money, and how much of you know uh, you know you, you name it with the administrative state, we just have so much. I don't want to list it all off because it's so massive, but uh, how much of all of that has come from the fact that there has been easy money available that if one part of the administrative state didn't latch on to, someone else would. So it's a sort of inevitability that people are going to be taking this free money when it exists. When you have all of that, you know, it's, it, it almost seems like the cruft is inevitable. But when you turn that off, um, I at least get optimistic that you've you've forced people into having more skin in the game and have to actually put, you know, put money up for the things that they want in the world rather than uh, just getting some free money from someone else uh, with no care about uh, the consequences to, to anyone else or themselves in the long run. Yeah. So going back to taxation, uh, I would say that fortunately the instinct gene for tax rebellion is an authentically American trait. Uh, it's probably been dormant since the new, since the new deal. Uh, but uh, just as you know, excessive uh, exposure to the TSA X-ray inflicts cancer. Uh, the deep learning <laughs> finance dragnet is probably again mutating this Tea Party gene into something malignant that really wants to uh, hide all all assets from the state. So I hope that uh, we all become cy- cyberpunks again and the Tea Party is reborn. I think, too, that um, as Bitcoin embeds itself deeper and deeper into society and more widely among more people, including the politicians themselves, um, it's going to become, in many ways, much more... Um, dangerous to be promoting anti-Bitcoin views. Um, so even like promoting the the things that would uh, encumber us in, in various ways, you know, it, it's one thing like we could say that the, we can expect certain technology to be like chain analysis um, to grow just because someone, if someone wants to do it, someone can do it because all of this data is, is public but uh, it does at least help if it's more difficult for the government itself to be sort of subsidizing it. Right. Um, and uh, if everyone has sort of become a Bitcoiner, and yes, like with that gene that you're saying in, in involved in this, if you're the politician that comes out and wants to propose a bill for, you know, putting money towards some surveillance program or something, it's a much harder sell as, as Bitcoin has embedded itself, especially when Bitcoin sort of embeds itself naturally with this uh, hardcore sound money perspective. I agree. And also, I would say we're also priming the normies for an embrace of cyberpunk resistance in that, uh, you know, high schools, they're hosting hackathons. And uh, I think it's, pretty icky art, but, you know, Banksy's silhouettes dodging the CCTV cameras. Uh, you know, there is, there is the normification, normification of uh, cyber resistance. Uh, and, 
you know, cyber mischief. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that this could this could parlay into, uh, you know, increased interest in the privacy developments on Bitcoin, uh, even you know at the technical level or on Monero or Zcash, uh, just you know people experimenting with new ways to preserve liberty in a digital manner. We can uh, we can go to the next question, which is uh, when moon. Uh, when moon. Pretty soon, because Donald Trump and Mike Pence are funding the Space Force and they're taking, they're, they're taking America back to the moon, back to the stars. So uh, quite literally, but, soon. By, by the time that is uh, you know, viable and the rocket is being launched, I think that Bitcoin will have taken over. And so it's <laughs> probably going to be Bitcoiners on the rocket. Uh, <laughs> Um, some uh, astronaut person who's been training for 30 years yeah. to do this. Well, I mean, that's that's the uh, the DIY uh, ethic of all of this stuff. You know, Bitstein's iconic tweet, Bitstein can repeat it better than I can, but it's essentially you. You know, you studied within the legacy financial system for years uh, super stoked about 10% on your portfolio this year. <laughs> Me, a Bitcoiner, learned Austrian economics uh, from Wikipedia up a thousand percent. Shit posts memes in my boxers all day long. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Is Elon Musk a Bitcoiner? Do we, do we have a, a firm read on that yet? I don't think we do now. He had uh, he was holding a he was photographed holding a copy of that book by Chris Bernisky, the crypto assets. Oh, mm. I remember that. That might have led him down the wrong path. <laughs> Tesla, Tesla, when they when they get funding for going public, I guess what they meant was uh, you know ICO. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, maybe maybe Blockstream is truly the most astronautical company or force out there maybe it will be a, a block stream manned mission to the moon well, we to set up the satellites uh, yeah it's set up some uh, interplanetary bitcoin relay uh this is this is a big question of you know how to fit bitcoin to an interplanetary civilization you know the, I, the uh logo of Blockstream. there was a, a reddit post from Greg Maxwell a couple of years ago talking about, you know, Bitcoin as this multi-stage rocket to the moon and this whole, it was great, great post. I highly recommend uh, people look it up and uh, read it. Uh, maybe we can put a link in the show notes. Uh, but someone, uh, someone in the comments was like, "Whoa, that was really cool. Maybe like Blockstream should consider changing its logo uh, to something more to reflect this. And Greg Maxwell, you know, just kind of winks as he says, maybe we already did. And the actual <laughs> Blockstream logo itself, he, he posted a link to one of the, the, the stages of uh, the rocket from the point of view of the rocket coming off. And uh, it's that circular ring uh, and the, the bars below it going uh, inwards. That's sort of the, the flames and everything. Oh, wow. That's... 
That's awesome. They're on that level uh, already. They're the real space force. That, that's that's the true uh, the true solar punk optimism <laughs> of the future. So I don't know if your listeners uh, play Fallout, but there's the idea of the of the lost future of the you know when you when you think of past generations, they seemed so much more optimistic about what technology would bring. There were those great images of the uh, the air balloons, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the the square rigger air balloons. I I love those, but. Uh, or Fallout, it has the lost future aesthetic where it's what seemed futuristic back in the 50s mm-hmm. when the nuclear uh, scare was was ramping up. And so in the last, I don't know, since since the 80s, it seems like our our appetite for optimistic futurism has been greatly diminished. Uh, just that, that every technology has sort of been pressed under neoliberalism and, uh, it's, it's had all of its, uh, all of its revolutionary juice sucked out of it. But now I think with Bitcoin, uh, you know, we can again reopen an optimistic, uh, an optimistic futuristic, uh, view, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Thiel talks a lot about this. Um, yeah, exactly. He's he's a suppressed solar punk. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has he has his axis of the you know uh, determinate and indeterminate optimism and determinate and indeterminate uh, pessimism, and uh, I, I can see it myself, and I think for a lot of other libertarians that uh, prior to Bitcoin, a lot of it us uh, were sort of like maybe indeterminate optimists at best. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, at some point, magically, everyone will have read their Rothbard and will live in a wonderful society. Uh, But there was also sort of the doom and gloom aspects of just, you know, hey, you got to buy up your silver and stuff because the whole world's going to crash down. Peter Schiff is going to be proven right Uh, and all that kind of stuff. And as soon as we got into Bitcoin, I feel like a lot of that just went away, if not all of it. And now it's just... It's purely towards it's building, you know, it's all, yeah. it's all like a vision of the glorious future ahead, as opposed to really, uh, any kind of negative thoughts, at least when I, yeah. So, some people call it a cli-fi or a climate fiction. So, you know, visions of us terraforming Mars, the Bitcoin Dyson sphere that Blockstream operates around the sun or uh, the Zappo undersea cold storage, <laughs> uh, the Seastead as a portable metropolis, so that mining op- entrepreneurs can always live in the vicinity of their mines. Bringing back mammoths located to around cheap to feed the Bitcoin carnivores. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, we're they're they're repopulating the uh, the Russian wilderhood with mammoths right now. They're in the process, so. <laughs> this is the third most important project going on right now after Bitcoin and Defense Distributed. <laughs> and Hide Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh eco optimism. <laughs> we'll uh we'll we'll recapture we'll recapture it. Uh, this is something uh, I, I think actually like Bitcoin does give me eco optimism in many ways. Like for all the people who are getting so upset about uh 
you know, the, the Bitcoin energy consumption, I can't get over just the power of, of you know, I think as, as Saifedean puts it, is like the, the world's most powerful battery, you know, in, in creating this thing that I think will continue propelling us towards uh, better energy production and more intelligent energy management um, tied with the uh, natural uh, connection to more beef eating, uh, which will mean more grazing cattle and the revitalization of ecosystems. Like, I, I think there's actually a lot of eco-optimism to have around Bitcoin. <laughs> Being a Bitcoin carnivore yeah. is the environmentalist position. As as soon as you can, uh, as soon as we put down, uh, you know the the ICO scams, uh, we can yeah we can move on to the real meat of this technology. Yeah, how do we turn EO Wilson into a uh, Bitcoin carnivore? Uh, <laughs> I don't, just follow Bitstein. I don't know. You seem you seem to really <laughs> you're you're you have an extreme charisma to you. Uh, on Twitter, both of you guys, I, I really have to applaud uh, you both for you know converting me. Uh, but also, you're the you're the first two uh, recommendations I give to newcomers because uh, you know, it's the it's the joy uh, that you present your arguments with and uh, the will the resolve to not. To never have delved into uh, shit coinery, <laughs> the dark arts. Uh, it is strange in hindsight, though, that like you know, there's that that galaxy brain meme where people start out with Bitcoin and then they get into a whole variety of shit coins, and then they're on the premium shit coins, and then they come back to Bitcoin. Like neither Bitstein nor I uh, went on that journey. We started out as Bitcoin maximalists from like day zero. And I, I don't know why that is. Well, I think I know what it was. If I remember correctly, we were at a Mises Circle meeting, uh, which quickly devolved into the Bitcoin Circle once we all caught on to Bitcoin. And if I remember correctly, it was George, our friend George, that came in and just like told us about this thing, Litecoin. And we all just like totally broke down in laughter of this, like, why you create a Litecoin? <laughs> uh, and so it was just this this introduction, the, the very introduction of the idea of a shitcoin, which at that time it was like there wasn't even a term. I don't even know if we had the term altcoin yet. Um, yeah, and I think that we were probably also inoculated to it because we were familiar with Austrian monetary economics and this idea of having like a money that is the most liquid good and not particularly being interested in, uh, you know, getting rich off of seniorage. Right, right, exactly. So uh, b between those, like, I, I think we just, the, the the memes came to us in just the right way that uh, we, we were quickly inoculated. <laughs> Thankfully, in my opinion. All right, I've got one last question. How will Bitcoin be used by a common man without him knowing what Bitcoin is? And that's from... Grug, by Grug. <laughs> <laughs> is that Grug you're talking about? Uh, all, all you need to know is a Grug watch line go up. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the uh, the five word history of uh, hyper Bitcoinization. You know, you buy Bitcoin 
and then Grug watch line go up. <laughs> it's all about the line. Shout out to Faceberg. Yeah, because even if even if they bought at the twelve hundred dollar top in December of two thousand thirteen, and were like, "This is," and saw and then saw it crash, right? And they're like, "You know what? This is such a scam. I'm not even going to bother trying to take my money out." And then they come back to it a few years later, and you know they're sitting on six thousand dollars. Like, it's not. It's not hard to do the math. Like the normiest normie, the common man can do the math on, hey, I have more wealth now. Everybody wants to get rich, bro. <laughs> I mean, beyond that, like I, I have friends with children uh, and the, the one, of, one of the children about seven years old was given uh, like an allowance or something in Bitcoin once. And just over time, it's accumulated in price. And there was one point where it was like surprisingly worth quite a bit for a seven-year-old. And, uh, you know, the, the father of my friend asked, you know, like, hey, you have enough to get that, you know, that toy you wanted. And seven-year-old girl was just like, no, I want to make more money. <laughs> yeah, in that way, it, I don't think that Bitcoin to succeed needs anyone more sophisticated than Ty Lopez. All you need is, you know... The, the shot of the Lamborghini, hey, here in my garage with my Lamborghini, but you know what I really love are these books. <laughs> and then th- that's all it is. Uh, yeah, because, you know, and that's what that's what a deflationary money gives us, essentially. Um, and on top of that, what I like are, are people who tell me like, well, okay, but you can't look at the past price charts and like <laughs> extrapolate that out into the future. My reaction That's is always wrong, like, kiddo. you you specifically are the reason why I can, because <laughs> you're going to be panic buying within like a few bubbles. So uh, as long as there are people telling me that, then I know that I can. Yeah, I mean, I'll- I think what will also help. We you know we have we have our friend over at Square. And Square is producing the incredible app Cash App, which I highly recommend everyone go download. It's probably the easiest way to get your hands on Bitcoin. Um, in the United States, um, and if it happens, I don't know if it's available elsewhere. Um, but he pointed out to me just how how much of a uh, SoundCloud rap culture Cash App has. There's many uh, SoundCloud rap songs about Cash App. Um, I'm sure you're very familiar with those uh, Bitcoin Sign Guy. But uh, you know, once once they catch on that, hey, that little bit of money that they put into Bitcoin on Cash App goes out, we're going to see a lot more of these songs. It's going to infiltrate the culture. We'll have uh, what was it, six nine. He'll be uh, he'll be rapping about Bitcoin. Gucci Mane. <laughs> All right. Any uh, closing thoughts for us as we uh, reach the top of the hour here? Uh yes, indeed. Uh, I have I have a whole lot, so uh, Please. buckle we can, in. <laughs> we don't have to stop at one hour. If you have a half hour of closing thoughts, then this a- episode will be an hour and a half long. That's fine. There's, there's <laughs> no. no like FCC regulations on this. <laughs> I mean, well, what's funny yeah, with you the, guys, the you Marty guys are, episode? You guys are extremely brutal. I there's no um on the on the iPhone podcast app. There's no scrubbing feature. So when I went to go listen to your four-hour podcasts, you know, it was I was just tapping that ahead by 15-second button, and I was struggling because I listened to them before bed and I fall asleep. And then I wake up and it's over, and then I have to refine the place. 
Oh, see, my strategy, I if I'm if I'm listening to a podcast before sleep on the iPhone, there's the the sleep timer in the podcast app, so you can say like put it on just with audible. Minutes. Oh, I should I should discover that. No, you guys were masochistic for that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Final thoughts. Uh, please finally hone your uh, anti droid, anti android and robot bigotry because uh, the the transhuman moment is now stampeding upon us and uh, bitcoin represents the final breakdown in human to human trust you know money was the final thing that we trusted an enclave of smart learned university degreed pedigreed people to do and uh no longer <laughs> uh now now the floodgates are open and uh, humans are going to be replaced faster than ever. So thanks a lot, Satoshi. <laughs> Don't you think there's like uh, a little bit of optimism to have though, in the sense that uh, I think it was, I think it was Balaji that said once something about uh, Bitcoin breaks down all the trust so that you can rebuild the trust. So like here we're, we're witnessing all the time, there's, you know, communities popping up now uh where people are able to form real bonds uh with one another um in fact it it blows my mind you know i've i've been online you know way too long you know most of my life and uh (laughs) 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 you know i've 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 known a lot of people online throughout that time and uh and yet i I feel like the (laughs) mostly just (laughs) e-girls Oh dear! You're also um, like Groiper Twitter accounts. <laughs> okay, um, Anyways, that's enough slander for one for one yeah. podcast. Um, but I feel like the 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 Bitcoiners uh, that I know have some of the most genuine uh, relationships to one another because we've sort of we're, we're all going on this sort of journey of working on a grand project together. We all have a similar vision, and despite there, there is a lot of diversity of thought, uh, which is great. But there's also because of you know the natural fringe component uh, to Bitcoin, there is a lot of fringe ideas too that overlap. So you get this you know bizarre community of people who use Bitcoin and eat only meat and uh, have certain libertarian strands of thought or all these other things, and so people are able to coalesce around this, I think in a, in a really powerful way. And through that, there's a lot of trust to be built there. Now, everyone outside of the Bitcoin maximalist echo chamber, I don't know what life is going to be like for them. Um, but I, I'm, I am pretty optimistic about us here in the echo chamber. <laughs> in the enclave, the, the future is bright. We're like in vault to use fallout again. It's like we're in, you know, vault 56 or whatever. <laughs> I like to think that we're like in a a safe space, uh, you know, playing with some uh, Play-Doh while a (laughs) controversial speaker called uh, Nouriel Roubini is offending us. Yeah, he's taking all the hits for us. Uh, So, yeah, let's see. Next next, uh, shitpost idea, uh, blockchain eschatology. So now that we have... So many ICO chains out there. Uh, we're going to have a lot of corpse chains on our hands soon. 
And so uh, what will Bitcoin be able to harvest from, uh, from dead chains? Uh, what's the dynamic there? Uh, or will, there, will they just be zombie chains with you know, two nodes or one node just talking to itself? They, they don't even need nodes. You, you have things trading on exchanges where the network, the underlying network doesn't exist anymore. Uh, they're just uh, kind of, it's, uh, it's hyper-realism because the symbol no longer points to <laughs> an underlying thing. I, I said that on Marty's podcast. I said that ICOs are hyper-real because they are more blockchain than the one functional blockchain being Bitcoin, such that if you receive your introduction to this technology with ICOs, once you find you know, a real, authentic, and functional blockchain, which is Bitcoin, you know, it will disappoint you. And uh, <laughs> it's like if you were born in Disneyland and you, uh, you saw Mickey Mouse and the Magic Kingdom every day, and then uh, you turned 18 and you went off to college and all of a sudden, uh, you know, things were not quite as comic. Uh, so the, true, the not quite as comic. Blockchain but... did not take place by John Baudrillard would have been his, you know, piece on, you know. They, they might not be as comic, but they're substantive. And I think that, that that appeals to, that's going to appeal to a lot of ICO refugees who come into Bitcoin's camp and uh, realize, oh, you guys actually have a network that does as advertised, huh? Because when I was sold on this ICO, I was told that Bitcoin like does not scale, that it's unusable, uh, that it's very expensive. And uh, here I am learning that all of these things are false. We, we will welcome them back. So this is actually the idea for the upcoming conference. If uh, I think that we should, uh, we should resolve to make something like this happen. Uh, a conference to be run the same week as Consensus in New York called Shitcoiner Rehab. And uh, we have, you know, the, the Nakamoto Institute speak and uh, other noted maximalists. And uh, basically people can leave, the idea would be people leave consensus in disgust with how many suits are just swarming that hotel there in midtown Manhattan and they can uh, they can come across and be be welcomed back into uh, into the tribe into the cult <laughs> yeah exactly we're all wear like matching track suits yeah <laughs> well I mean I, I can't promise that there won't be you know a struggle session for these <laughs> for these people but uh, we will at least well what what what, what what did it was it the heaven's gate people you know they, they they were going somewhere in space right um like andromeda or something like that did they have some exorcisms to purify people oh it, it had to do they, they were going to go on a spacecraft following comet hail bob um so we have that but it's just the <laughs> we don't have kool-aid we just have steaks <laughs> yeah <laughs> steaks and uh <laughs> I've I've been trying to eat more red meat. I really have, but it's a I don't know. I was raised by a mother that was a a talented talented in the French cooking arts, and uh, <laughs> there have been some sorted some sorted goodbyes. 
of uh, you know particular types of carbs and bread. Yeah, uh, acculturation is real. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's see, Android bigotry, blockchain eschatology. One other part of that is that when these chains die, I think that you know they they did raise millions of dollars worth of ether and to the extent that they were paying developers to work on stuff with that money and not just uh reinvesting it in the big uh you know ico uh, scam cycle uh i do think that i think it was john pfeffer he he first brought the idea up to me that you know there can be just like with uh in the early days of the internet there was they laid a lot of you know, transnational cables when they were super enthusiastic about it and nobody used it right then. But later on when it was needed for scaling, they reopened this dark fiber. And so I think that uh, say something like uh, Monero, you know, they're developing and experimenting with different privacy technologies. Uh, Even if it doesn't become say part of Bitcoin core, uh, this code can later be, you know, integrated into wallets or uh, you know other other parts of the Bitcoin ecosystem in a way that we can we can feed off the off the host of deceased uh, shit coins yeah so I, I would I would draw the distinction between like the 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 dark fibers that are basically commodity hardware uh, and thus are kind of a easily repurposable capital good versus software, which is a very specialized capital good that even even under normal circumstances gets thrown out all the time and rewritten and, you know, not invented here type syndrome of people reinventing the wheel, um, creating their own programming languages, et cetera. So I'm actually... I, I, I'd be now the idea is yes. So like, so at the abstract level, yeah, at the abstract level, but even on that, like I'm skeptical that, you know, like to me, like Monero is a reach and then to try to go beyond Monero and, uh, in, into these outright ICOs because Monero is not an ICO, but, um, just an altcoin, uh, yeah, I don't know. I that's that's a very optimistic point of view. Well, I, I like um, your optimism. I'll uh, I'll accept the apostate brand. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Um, what else? What other borderline idiotic thing <laughs> can we can we get into? I mean, Bitcoin is is well endowed with uh, with conspiracy. You almost don't even have to think think it up. <laughs> Uh, I would, I would just say, uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can get more, uh, of the legacy sort of policy think tanks in line with Bitcoin maximalism. So if you know, if you know any, any wonks that work in DC or Brussels, uh, you know, just send them some Bitcoin, get them interested in the tech, get them sympathetic and build uh, what what I referred to on Marty's podcast as the fifth pillar that will, you know, they'll be inside agents to destabilize fiat from within. 
while we, uh, you know, attack it from outside. Are there specific tactics that you found have worked on DC folk? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not a lobbyist, uh, but I would, I would imagine that, uh, you know, it, the three, the three modes of contagion are, you know, parental, uh, educational and social. And so I know coin center, you know, they go up to the hill to, uh, to show Congress people how the tech works. And I know that that actually has functioned since, uh, recently in their investment declarations, I think some, some rel- some Congress people relatively close to, uh, Bitcoin decision-making had it, uh, declared in their, uh, in their statement. So maybe that's working, but ultimately, uh, it's, it would be the social contagion that, that should work. You know, it should be, uh, intellectually fashionable, uh, to embrace, uh, Bitcoin and right. The other, the other one I think is, uh, just getting to their children. Um, oh yeah, that, that, that does work well. Giancarlo who had mentioned his, uh, was like his niece. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess that's parental then that's the, that's the inverse parental, uh, transmission mechanism where <laughs> yeah because for so, something like this like you know the the kids you know it, it seems natural for a millennial um and now younger especially younger so especially generation z uh to be already immersed in the internet so it's it's oh here's like another internet payment thing that oh it happens to also be this you know cool stuff but if they get interested in in any way and it's very accessible to them because they don't have to they don't have to have any permission from the parents to be able to go download a Bitcoin wallet. They can kind of just do it. Exactly. Um, so if you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be harder for the parent to hate it when it's like, well, your own kid does it and enjoys it, and you see how much value it brings right. them. Yeah. So if you're a Zoomer, <laughs> if you're a Zoomer, just go, uh, <laughs> just go uh, download Bitcoin Core on your family desktop it'll be super dusty but since a uh, bitcoin core strives to say lean and mean maybe it'll even work uh <laughs> your dad will be like wow why is the computer <laughs> running so hot <laughs> uh my kid you're so yeah, smart you set up my computer <laughs> set up a full he node set up a full node he's a genius man he just <laughs> He just uh, he went to the website. He downloaded the software. How did he know how to do that? He's a genius. <laughs> I I don't think any more than five percent of your listenership will catch that reference. <laughs> if it's that much, I'll be surprised. Yeah, if you uh, if you get that reference, uh, please uh, please send word to Bitstein. And uh, we'll we'll have a prize for you. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> but I think that's I think that's a real thing. You know, I, I think that could really happen. Um, yeah. And, so, and I actually, I mean, he's he's not in office or anymore. But uh, on one of the podcasts, someone I forget who had mentioned they had met Newt Gingrich randomly, and they were talking about Bitcoin. And Newt Gingrich had like given. Bitcoin to people in the family. Oh wow! Go off, 
go off, King. <laughs> and who who else is ready for moon bases than uh, Newt Gingrich? <laughs> that's that's pretty good. The memes are real, people. That's pretty good. Yeah, I basically to 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 put it in very explicit meme terms, uh, Bitcoin must become a part of the Zoomer starter pack, along with uh, jewels and uh, hatchbacks you know subaru and toyota hatchbacks and uh uh that haircut shaved on the side long on top uh slicked back uh electric scooters uh and you know a bitcoin node you know just put it all in the starter pack and that's how you can market it to the younger generation all right well we know what your next startup is going to be doing (laughs) uh yeah meme lab (laughs) I don't know. No, I, I actually, I do have a startup. Uh, it's still a, it's still secret underground, but you'll know it when you see it. And, uh, yeah, we, it's, it's on the theme of, uh, you know, extending financial services to those who would otherwise be barred. So, well, uh, if we have VCs listening, uh, they, they can contact us and then we will put you in touch with them and uh, you can, you can get your startup funded. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, I don't want to shill it here because it's the wrong place in time, but uh, come back yeah. and shill it when you're ready. I, I shall <laughs> you have an open platform for it. Yeah. You can sponsor the show and we'll advertise it at the beginning of every episode. Oh, if you I, want shilling, we got think, shilling. Believe me. <laughs> I mean, the, the the potency of your shills is inversely uh, proportional to the quantity of your shills. And you guys shill very little, I, I must say. Uh, it's good. Um, it, it means that an endorsement from, from the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute is uh, still valuable. Like uh, Nick Carter uh, went on Marty Bent's podcast, said that he would only do one podcast ever. Turned around, did seven other podcasts. You know, this is the the danger of inflation is just ever present. That is it's re- personal brand suicide. It's it's reputational inflation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on, on that last thought of insulting Nick Carter, do we have- <laughs> no, Nick Carter, Nick Carter. I'm a I'm a fan, and I'm I'm glad that you were able to shout 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 your <laughs> shout your message far and wide. Maybe he can help at Ethereum, the uh, Ethereum with their sharding as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Well, anyways, guys, it it's been it's been fun. Uh, we'll see you again soon on the on the windy plains of Troy. Uh, Thanks for coming out. Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) We'll see you soon. All right, see ya. Peace. Alan asks, hey, Jocko, from your experience in SEAL and uh, as a SEAL, in business, in the business world, do two or more uh, co-founders, leaders have a higher success rate? What are your thoughts on a solo founder with a strong team, or rather a solo founder creating their own strong team? I I think it's a little strange to think about someone doing something solo Mm -hmm. and achieving anything really incredible. Um, You're going to need a team. You're going to need people. 
And the more you trust your team and the better relationship you have with your team, then the, the better you're going to do. So I, I think if you're a good – I think the, the critical thing here is you have to, you have to think about what you're going to do. You have to think about what you're going to do and how you're going to get it done. If, you're, if, you're, if you think you can accomplish things by yourself, you're probably a little bit mistaken. You, you might even be a lot mistaken. If you think you've got, every, if you think you know everything better than everyone else, and that's why you should control everything, it's probably going to end up problematic. To have somebody that's a good sounding board is important. Now, the other thing I would say about this is it's also important to find people and work with people that complement who you are, that complement your 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 strengths and your weaknesses. If you're a person that has great ideas but is bad at execution, you need to find a partner that's really good at execution. If you go out and find a, a partner that also has incredible ideas and, and you two put this company together and it's filled with a bunch of ideas, guess what? No one's going to execute those ideas. Yeah. You're not going to go anywhere. If you're a person that can execute well but maybe you don't have some of those – creative thought processes you find someone that's got good creative thought process so you want to partner with people absolutely and you want to partner with people that make you better and core to that and half before that is kind of like seeing the world as it is that's a problem i see with a lot of solo founders they're just like i got this figured out and then they're a little bit delusional <laughs> we, we we see that in the military all the time and it, we, we call it emotional uh, attachment yeah. So, you know, I would sit and Jocko would pass, hey, we, we, we need to execute this mission. Go ahead and plan it. And I'd plan it for three days. And during that process, because I think I'm coming up with this great plan that's going to wow yeah. him. And then I present it. And I've been <laughs> one inch from viewing the plan for the last three days. And then he comes in from a six-foot view. He's like, oh, you're a good plan, but you need to switch this, this, and this. And, and like, this will go wrong if you do it that way. And, and then, you know what I do? Yeah, I, yeah. I lash out. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I usually wait for him to leave. And that, that mother, you know, <laughs> like, but he's right. And, and right. so the, the worst thing you can do is become so emotionally attached to your product that you stop listening to who? Your customers. Because in the military, we say the enemy has a, has a vote in all plans. So does your customer. And so the second you, you've got everything figured out and you stop listening to your customer, you, you need to step back, detach emotionally, yep. and, and reassess. Yep. Do you guys do that by journaling, just by through experience? Yeah, I can tell you. So people ask me about detachment a lot because I talk about detachment yep. a lot. Because detachment is it's definitely one of the key technical skills to have as a leader. And as a human being, by the way. And so there's all kinds of things. And, and I actually wrote about it in, in the kid's book quite a bit. I wrote about how you emotionally detach because the kid loses his temper and gets in trouble. And guess what? You've got to learn to detach. Well, guess human beings do that. Adults do that all the time. So this idea of detaching is something that you absolutely have to focus on. How do you do it? Well, you have to learn to recognize when you are getting emotional. Because normally it's to, to detach from the chaotic situation. So there's a there's a if you're on a construction site and something's going wrong, and you step back so that you can fix it, or you're in a manufacturing plant and something's going wrong, and you step back so you can fix it. You're stepping away from it physically. That's that's good. There's also situations where you need to step away emotionally, 
and that's a little bit harder and you know the, the examples that i talk about i mean first of all if you start your voice starts getting like this well that's you need to put yourself in check you you're obviously getting emotional you also if you if you're getting ready to send an email and you're typing really hard on it that's probably not a good email to send you should you should wait 24 hours before you send that that email up the chain of command and then there's this part and this is probably this is the one that is most valuable when you're looking at a situation and you're feeling the anger the frustration things aren't going the way they're supposed to go much of the time you need to step back and you need to look at yourself and figure out why you are getting emotional and most of the time I would venture to guess the reason that you're getting emotional the reason that you're getting mad is because of your own ego someone has done something that's offended your ego someone has come up with a plan that's better than yours someone has come up with an idea that's better than yours someone has has dared to to confront something that you've said when you should not be questioned and those ego flare-ups cause all kinds of emotions and so if you don't learn to detach from those and do real assessments and figure out logically not emotionally what the problem is mm -hmm. then you will have some significant issues so learn to detach yeah i mean oftentimes the people that uh yeah when i was growing up the people that bugged me the most had a quality that i didn't have or wanted to have more of and then you're just like oh yeah. that guy's more articulate or he's stronger or whatever it is yeah and uh that was it to a t welcome welcome to my life greg 